0: How to get victory over the Amalekites Exodus chapter 17 verses 8 through 14 Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim And Moses said to Joshua Choose us some men Go out and fight with Amalek Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill With the rod of God in my hand So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, and so they took a stone, and they put it under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands one on one side and the other on the other side and as his hands were steady until the going down of the sun so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Beloved, their journey had been an amazing one, for it had just been about 40 days ago they were in bondage down in Egypt. But God sent them a deliverer who would rescue them from the shackles of slavery. I said they set out on a journey now and they're en route a promised land, a land where there's no more slavery, a land where there's no more bondage and persecution. However, over the duration of their travels, they've encountered hunger, barrenness, fear, doubt, frustration, provision, and deliverance, all at the same time. I said, they've been saved from Egypt, but they've been forced to journey in the desert and the wilderness. You see, we too have been saved and delivered from the shackles of the evil one, but we've been saved to journey through the wilderness of life on our way to a promised land. And as a Christian beloved, I still sometimes am amazed And how much of the Christian life is both a battle and a blessing? In fact, a well-known scholar commenting on this text says, Wilson, up to this point, Israel had not had to fight one battle because the Lord had fought them all. But now, the Lord chooses to fight through them instead of for them. Why? So that they may learn how to overcome The enemy. And so it is with the children of God today. Sometimes God steps in and does it all for us. And sometimes He leaves the hard work for us to do through Him. Beloved, we can learn today from this text that there are some battles that the church will just have to endure as we make our way across this barren land. There are three things today I want to talk to you about. A raise for your preaching consideration. If we're going to get victory over the enemy of our souls, let's look at the plot of the enemy, the plan of the encourager, and the power of encouragement. The Bible says in verse 8, Now Amalek came and he fought with Israel in Rephidim. Beloved, when we arrive here at this first pericope of the text, we discover that Israel has a new enemy emerge to do them harm. This enemy wants to hurt them, and they've come out of nowhere to battle against them. These enemies, they're called Amalekites. Some say the Amalekites were nomads who lived in the southern region desert of Canaan. They were descendants of Esau through his son named Eliphaz. These desert hunters were people who were wild and out of control. They were an unruly people who took what they wanted and demanded to rule and reign over all who were considered a threat to them. According to A.D. Wilson, they must have been threatened by the presence of God's people walking through the desert from Egypt. Surely they heard about how God had defeated the Egyptians. And perhaps now they thought that Israel was coming to get them too. Whoever they were, they are a good picture of Satan, the world, and the flesh. These Amalekites, as an enemy, they move quickly, they strike suddenly, and they always assault without a warrant or a cause. Can I turn the light on right here? Remember, beloved, passing through the desert was made difficult for God's people, not only for a lack of rations and water, (coughs) but by active opposition from hostile people. You see, their evil plot was to make the journey difficult to the promised land. So we're not surprised that Amalek opposed them in this chapter. No, as we study Exodus, we can discover that God's purpose in human history is not to give his children easy blessings, But ready, or rather, is to give us opportunities to fight for spiritual victories. Why? Because it's only then that our journey will be cherished and valued. So even though there may be plots against us, God has already purposed for you and I to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Is there anybody here today ever had an enemy to plot against you on your journey? Have you ever had your own flesh or your old sinful nature try to take you out on the journey? Has the world ever tried to discourage you on your way to glory in the journey? Has the evil one ever snuck up on you to do you wrong on the journey? Well, if your answer is yes to any of these, then you can relate to what Israel was going through with this sudden attack from the Amalekites. Well, we've looked at the plot of the enemy. Let's look now at the plan of the encourager. The Bible says, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Beloved, when we come to this second portion of the narrative, we see Moses, the leader, who has a plan to respond to the plot of the enemy of Israel. Moses, in this passage, he moves decisively. Against the enemy. He doesn't wait to respond to the attack of the Amalekites. No, he mobilizes quickly those that he knows understands warfare and who can engage it before it's tragically too late. In this passage, we learn that Moses doesn't ask God what to do in this situation because he automatically knows what to do. We've never seen Moses lead like this before. Come here, let me show you what I mean. In the past, he only led by being told what to do every step of the way. God told him what to do and what to say when he fought against Pharaoh back in Egypt. However, here in this text, he takes the initiative to use what he's been given by God For this battle. What does he have? Well, He has in his position. Authority. He has a track record. Of God's faithfulness. He has faith that God can defeat his enemies. Because God has already done it against Pharaoh. And he has a rod in his hands. That can do supernatural things. You see Moses understands. That he's been in this situation before. And his prior experience in serving God is going to be used in this critical time of his leadership. This brother has a wartime resume. Can I say some more? Secondly, we see Moses, the leader, lean on the brothers in the congregation for help in this battle. You see, Moses understands that if he's got a chance to defeat the Amalekites, He's going to need the brothers. And according to the text, he looks out over the flock and sees a young and upcoming warrior. And he calls forth Joshua, who assumes the mantle of military leadership. Joshua is a man that's in a role who's been prepared to serve Israel faithfully, both now and in the latter battles to come. Joshua is to be like a second Moses. And ultimately, it will be Joshua who will lead Israel through the period of conquest in Canaan. Here it is. Everybody needs a Joshua. Oh yes, they do. Somebody who will take the initiative. Somebody who will lead in the battle. Somebody who will prepare the troops and strike out to protect the family. You see, Joshua was a leader to be trusted. Joshua was a leader to be watched. Joshua was a leader to pattern oneself after. And the Bible says, Moses said to young Joshua, Tomorrow, I'm going to stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand so choose us some men to go out and fight for us can i say some more moses has a plan for this battle did y'all catch it here it is his plan is to elect leadership that knows warfare and then pick the place where the fight will happen number two His plan is to select the place where we will do battle. He doesn't let the Amalekites dictate the fight. Number three, his plan is to also identify what he will be doing as their leader in the fight. Number four, he will be positioned to do battle on a higher plane on top of the hill. And then number five, he's going to fight on the hill and he's gonna fight with the rod of God in his hand. Oh my beloved, here we have a spiritual picture of warfare and Moses' plan to defeat the Amalekites. is fought on two levels. It's fought in the valley and it's fought on the hill. Don't miss that class. Listen, Moses is a leader who intercedes In the battle and Joshua is a young leader who will do the hand-to-hand combat in the field and here is what I've learned every child of God has a role to play in the warfare against the church of Jesus Christ sometimes the Christian has two roles in the battles that will emerge on our journey to glory. Sometimes in life, depending on the calling and the situation, we are the intercessor for others, and sometimes we're the ones that must wield the sword of the Spirit on their behalf. Now, parenthetically, while I'm walking through here, I should say something else about Moses. See, we should never forget that Moses is up in age in this passage. But just because he's up in age, doesn't mean he can't go down in the valley and fight with the Amalekites. Remember who this is. This is Moses, Egypt's most wanted. This is Moses, a killer who turned shepherd. This is Moses, the Hebrew who was raised Egyptian. This is Moses, the prophet, who faced Pharaoh and won. He knows how to kill a man and how to bury him in the sand. Can I say some more? But in this text, his leadership position and his supernatural calling calls for him to put down the sword and hold up the rod for this here battle. Secondly, I learned something new about the plan of Moses. Moses is also a powerful picture of pastoral authority in the congregation of believers. Let me say it for the people in the back. As God's ordained and appointed leader, the rod in his hand is a picture of God's authority and power in the hand of the servant of God. See, with this authority, the authority of God, the servant, Moses has the ability to help themselves and others in the battle against the enemy. Joshua is a wonderful picture of those saved and submitted to the leadership that God has given them. Joshua is a warrior with his trust in his leader, fighting on behalf of others in the congregation at the direction of divine leadership. To conquer the enemies of the flesh. Mm, The Bible said. So Joshua did as Moses said to him. And he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur. They went up to the top of the hill. And so it was. When Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Beloved, here we see a picture of a covenant community of brothers fighting together. Did you catch it? We also see an unlikely pair to join in the battle. Aaron the high priest And her, another member of the tribal clans, come and accompany Moses. Now, they're not with Joshua, with the younger men down in the valley. They're with Moses. These men have never been known for fighting or for leadership on this level with enemies involved. Mm -mm. Aaron is Moses' older brother. He's the high priest. And he's been with Moses for intercession and speaking to the Israelites and even Pharaoh, but not for battle. Her is a newcomer and a possible disciple of Moses. He's interesting. His name is mentioned three times in the scripture, but he's a different person the other two times that his name is mentioned. Well, the question is, who is he? Why is he here? And what is his purpose? I don't know how he got there or or what he's doing there, but I do know he doesn't have a title. He doesn't have a position. He, he doesn't have any stripes in ministry. Did you catch your family? No, no, he doesn't have any because he doesn't need any. Yeah, he's just a brother, another brother who's sent by God to serve the man of God in the fight of his life. And here's what I learned, class. Sometimes God raises up believers in the family of God to help us in our greatest times of battle and stress. Why? Because everybody needs somebody every now and then. I'm hunting for an amen right there. You see, Aaron and her are pictures of goodness and mercy on the hill of our struggles. They're the kind of friends that keep us in good company with the authority of God. In our hands. Have you ever noticed that goodness and mercy help us to stand in the darkest of fights? They're trusted companions in a lonely position. Oh, yes, they are. I know I'm right about it. The Bible says in verse 11, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevail. Here's what we learn. As long as Moses was under the authority of the rod, the people of God were victorious. Aaron and her are there keeping watch with him during the battle. But when he lets his arms down, his hands down, calamity befalls to the people. Family, isn't it interesting that while Moses had a little help on the hill, that the battle was still rough? Calamity came through even though two companions, companions are there to help him, goodness and mercy. Trouble still raged like a rabid dog, raging to devour his prey. In the presence of goodness and mercy, And I see that there was difficulty in leadership even when a little help was standing around. Here it is. When I look at this text, God could have stopped this whole thing whenever he was ready. But we don't see him intervene. We don't see Yahweh removing the burden of leadership. We don't see Yahweh wipe out the enemy yet. He allows for his servant To endure the hardships of ministry and the difficulty of pastoral leadership in the midst of a congregational attack from the enemy. Can I tell you, church? Sometimes God allows the enemy to look like he's winning. Hmm? Sometimes God allows the enemy to advance against the church. Sometimes God tests the leadership to see what they'll do in the midst of the attack. He waits to see what they'll do with what they got and with what they already know. Can you hear me class? Did you catch it? God is still good and merciful, even though bad things happen to us in the battle. Remember, our journey to the promised land is not always about blessings. Most times it's about battles. And if God can grow us into mature believers, then we too will know how to support the one he's put over us and fight for those who need fighting for. Well, we've looked at the plot of the enemy. We've looked at the plan of the encourager. Let's land the plane now and look at the power of encouragement. The Bible says in verse 12 But Moses, his hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Hallelujah. Family, here we see the evidence of a difficult battle. It was long, it was tiring, and it was a struggle. It wasn't an easy fight. You see, Moses suffered from what I call his battle fatigue. And as a result of this fatigue, the flesh began to wear on him. And ere now the very thing that gave him victory became hard to hold up. You see, as their leader, he got tired. And so will you. He was present on his post. He was in his position and yet his hands, they got heavy. Now, God allowed him to feel the weight of the responsibility and the reality of this battle. You see, this text helped me to appreciate my pastor and it helps me to see what he goes through as he intercedes for me and holds up the word on the top of the hill every week so I can do battle in the valley of life. Y'all gonna help me today? When I see Moses, I see that this battle was a continuous struggle. It started in the morning, but it pressed on through the day. It was going late into the afternoon and the enemy would not quit easily. No, Amalek was ruthless, just like my flesh is strong. Amalek was strong, just like my flesh is ruthless. Amalek wanted total domination, just like my flesh wants total domination. This battle was going to be a while and Moses was not prepared in his own strength to bear up under the battle or by himself, no, he needed some help. And as long as the rod was held high, the congregation prevailed, for the rod was his authority. And when he let down the rod, the congregation had to fight with no covering, and they began to lose the battle. Oh, family, here we see that decisive action was needed to happen to help Moses keep the rod held high. And that's when we see what the power of encouragement looks like. Did you catch it? What it looks like in the heat of the battle. Aaron and her wanted to help the man of God because by helping him, they were helping themselves. You see, if Moses was successful, then their families and their lives could endure the attack from the Amalekites. The Bible says that one of the brothers got a strategic idea. One of the brothers thought of another strategy to help Moses. Somebody said, quick, get that big rock. Get the rock of ages. (laughs) And they found something solid to support Moses. They found a rock for him to rest on. And when they did this, they were assisting him by holding up his arms. Now, they couldn't do it for him because Moses was the only one in the congregation ordained to hold up the staff. He was the only one God called for this mantle of leadership. He was the only one God laid his hands on. He was the only one who was authorized to will the staff and to lead the congregation. You catch that? Aaron and her do not try to take the staff. Aaron and her do not try to move Moses to the side and lift up the rod. No, they know their place. They know their ministry. They know that they are support staff and not lead staff. Did y'all catch it? But in their roles, they've got supernatural insight. What, what? What do you mean, Wilson? They can see what happens when the man of God gets weary. See, they've got eyes to see that God is using Moses and that God has given them an, an opportunity to help Moses and his divine assignment. Here's what I learned. God could have taken over at any moment, but he didn't. God could have stopped the fight and wiped out the Amalekites but he didn't. He waited to see what the brothers would do when their brother got tired and was in need of help. And somebody said, quick, get that rock. And while they were on one accord, they made it possible through divine insight to make his labor easier. I'm hunting for a witness right there. Why? So that they could all be victorious in the fight Against the enemy. You see, if Moses was strengthened, Israel would be strengthened. Once he got in position, they got in position. And they were able to undergird his work by supporting his efforts. Can't you see him there? Goodness and mercy holding up his hands that they all may get the victory over the enemy. They were a picture, here it is, of the diaconate ministry at work in the congregation. They were a picture of the brotherhood helping to care for the flock of God. They were a picture of the family protecting the family. Can I say some more? After they positioned him, they propped him up. And after they propped him up, they participated with him. And after they participated with him, watch this now, they prospered because of him. <laughs> Good God Almighty. Here it is. Moses needed some help. And he needed somebody who could see that the battle was real. And that unless he was supported, calamity was going to fall to everybody. Babies included. And i stopped stop by to tell you, family, help your Moses in the battle. Give him something solid to rest on. He has to keep his arms up, carrying the word. Give him your best ideas when the battle gets heavy. Give him a helping hand when his body starts to buffet him. Give him some encouragement so he can serve us without distractions. Give him some solid support so he can make sure that we are victorious in the battle. Let's help him by lifting the burdens off of his shoulders. Oh God, help me preach it all. Let's help him by fighting with him and not against him. Let's help him by giving our time, finding the resources, finding the strength, finding the compassion to see his vision for our victory in the life of this church. Now remember, he's on the hill for us. He's on the hill for our babies. He's on the hill for our future, our finance, our friends, and our family. Let's help our Moses. Can I get a witness? I got to leave you now. But the Bible says, so Joshua, yes, defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of young Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And so Moses, he built an altar and he called its name Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Why? Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Well, thank you, family for listening today. I'm closing now when I tell you that the victory over the Amalekites was the work of God through the children of God. God chose to use them for his honor and his glory. Did you catch it? God also wanted Moses to write this victory down, record it, so that Joshua would remember when he became the leader how God was his banner. Here's what I learned. Victories in the child of God's life should be remembered for the next generation so that they too can know the power, the promise, and the possibilities that God has to deliver them in their time of need. As we close today, there's a divine picture looming in the shadows of this message from the child of God. You see, Moses, after this encounter, he builds an altar to worship God. Oh, yes, he did. He's giving God the praise. And he's giving God the praise because he acknowledges that God has revealed himself as the banner to watch over his people. Jehovah Nisi is his name. And that ought to happen when we pray. That ought to happen when we seek God's face after he's brought us through. We ought to call God what he does for us. See, the Lord promised that he would have continuous battles with Amalek. And when we look toward Calvary, we can see the fulfillment of this text. Jesus is better than Moses. Oh, yes, he is. He's fighting on another hill. At Calvary, we see Jehovah Nishi, the Lord our banner, Holds up the word of the Lord. And he intercedes for you and I on that cross. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Out on the cross, Jehovah Nissi becomes and fulfills all of the righteousness of God. Out on the cross, we see Jehovah Nissi, our banner, fighting with the enemies of our soul, fulfilling his promise. Out on the cross. The Lord our banners covering us so that we might have eternal life. Out on the cross, somebody better than Moses paid it all that we may live. Jesus died. Didn't he die? To give me victory over the Amalekites. He died to give me power over my sinful nature. He died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb to give me victory Over the grave and early Sunday morning, like a good savior, he was raised back to life. Didn't he rise? I said, didn't he rise? He rose, didn't he rise? And like a good banner, he reigns over us and power over all the enemies of this world are still his. Right now, he sits at the right hand throne of God as our banner. He's our banner in bright times. He's our banner when I'm up, our banner when I'm down. Our banner reigns over me night and day and reminds me that everything is going to be all right. We got victory over the Amalekites because Yahweh is our banner. Songwriter said, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. And I told Satan, get thee behind. Because victory today is mine.